Hey, I'm Daddy, and this is Daddy as Fuck, a throw-it-all-at-me discussion about poly, kink, DDLG, and BDSM, with an emphasis on power exchange through the eyes of a soft DDLG dynamic. You'll hear stories, opinions, and perspectives as we journey through an alternative way of life, what has worked, what hasn't, and thoughts about how to manage choices on a path less taken. So thanks for joining us today, and let's get going down the bunny hole. After the show, it's the after party. After the party, it's a hotel lobby. And after all that, baby, you're probably going to need some aftercare. Hey, it's Daddy, and welcome to Daddy as Fuck. Today, we're here to talk about aftercare. This episode is in response to a listener message from Brian. Brian writes in and says, Your podcast was recently brought to my attention by my little, so I had to give it a listen. Well, thank you both very much. I appreciate you taking the time to tune in. Brian goes on to say, It's nice to see people out here talking about the lifestyle and sharing experiences. I just thought I'd give you a topic to discuss because I noticed you haven't really hit on it at all. And in my opinion, it's a pretty big part of the dynamic. Brian, I definitely agree. So I appreciate the suggestion. Brian goes on to say, I just wanted to see your views on aftercare and how you go about it. I know with me and my little, we have to do aftercare. She definitely requires it or else she gets super whiny and distant. Just wanted to see your outlook on this topic. Well, Brian, I'm going to give you and everybody else tuning in just that. So what is aftercare? If you're new to the BDSM scene and community, you've probably heard about aftercare. You've probably seen it being done on a dark leather couch in a corner across the dungeon from where all the play spaces are. In fact, if you've been to a public play space or a private play space or dungeon, you've probably taken the tour and been shown the aftercare area and given specific instructions on what and what not to do when walking through the aftercare area or hanging out in the aftercare area. And pretty much pay attention to the aftercare area <laughs> because something special is going on there. But what? Is it? When I was new to the BDSM scene, I went to a public play space and several private dungeons and uh, conventions that had uh, play parties and dungeons. There was always a little space for aftercare and everybody seemed to be talking about it like it's this big thing. But I had no fucking clue what it was. You know, I'm, I look over at the aftercare area and I'm like, oh, shit tiptoe around the aftercare area because there's some heavy shit going on in there. I have no idea what it is, but I think it's something I just really need to be careful not to disturb. And that is true, but I never really understood exactly what it was. Now, as we will get into as I get deeper into the episode, I was already doing aftercare. I was just something I think that when you experience um, play in the BDSM context with your partner, um, and this definitely occurs outside of play, but I'm going to use BDSM as an example, like, you know, impact play or rope play, you know, where there is some heavy physical exchange and a lot of emotions are built up and released in that exchange, you know, it takes its toll, right? Um, so, you have to take care of the person that you're beating, and sometimes the person that's Beating someone else also benefits from that aftercare and that grounding back into reality. So what is aftercare? 
It's a big mystery, right? Not really. Aftercare is something you already know about and you don't even realize it. When you come home and hug your partner after a hard day, aftercare. So, of course, I'm taking something a little bit out of context and I'm putting it into like um, like a normative kind of framework. You know, let's go full heteronormative and look at it this way. You ever see a movie, um, you know, or, or a scene in a movie where a couple has sex and usually the woman is like cuddling their partner afterwards and who's usually a man, again, heteronormative. And the man is looking at his watch, wondering how long it is before he can, like, get up and get a snack or go watch the game or fall asleep. Like, how long is enough cuddling? But honestly, that's a small glimpse into the window of what aftercare may be after a deep and intimate physical, mental and emotional exchange. One person or both people want to cuddle and bathe in the afterglow. Now, if you take that and overlay it into a BDS-MDS context, there's a lot more moving parts that are going on in a physical, mental, emotional exchange in the BDSM relationship or scene. You know, you may be dealing with floggers and whips and blood play and needles and rope and extreme sex and choking and breath play and so many ways that each partner might be pushed to their limits. You know, whether you're um, receiving it, whether you're the submissive, the bottom, or whether you're the dom or the top that's giving it, it takes a lot of focus and energy to go to that depth. So it's not as simple as just like having sex and someone wants to cuddle and the other person's wondering how long is enough. That is a form of aftercare. But in the BDSM-DS context, when you are dropping into a subspace or a dom space, bottom space, top space, whatever space you're into, you are focusing on the depths to which you're surfing with one another. And when you come back out, it's widely accepted that there is an acknowledgement that a large amount of energy has been spent in the process. That's what makes it so rewarding, right? So in my silly heteronormative um, example, it just is portraying that cuddling after sex is the vanilla version of aftercare or what is known as aftercare in the DS, BDSM community. Simply put, it's this. Here's the Cliff Notes version of what is aftercare. Aftercare is what I have found it to be anyway, and I think this will resonate with a lot of my listeners Caring for your partner after having them share themselves in their most vulnerable state. And when I think about it like that, you know, it makes sense. It deepens the exchange. It's, it's an acknowledgement of the sharing. It's like, hey, wow, you just opened up and shared yourself with me so deeply, so vulnerably that um, I, just, I just want to hold you. You know, I just want to make sure you're okay. And that's um, a beautiful thing. So that's what aftercare is to daddy, but why do we do it? If the activity we're participating in with our partner is consensual and we're both getting something rewarding out of it, then why do we need to do aftercare? We both enjoyed the experience, right? I hope. So we got what we wanted out of it. So what's this aftercare thing all about? Why, why, why do we need to do that? Well, let's, let's talk about that.
Why do we do aftercare? Well, we got to go back up a little bit into Daddy's archive of memories. Um, when I first entered the scene, as I described earlier, I, I didn't know what aftercare was. I had read about it in books and been introduced to the aftercare area in play spaces, and I saw people deftly practicing the art of aftercare, swaddling their submissives in blankets you know, giving them water and snacks or just holding them and rocking them, brushing their hair, patting their head, holding their hand. It was just, um, seemed like they were just resting and just resting and reflecting and recovering. That's what it seemed like to me. And it seemed very ceremonious, quite honestly. But in a way it was, you know, it was a celebration. And in the places I I was... um, fortunate enough to witness it, it it was a public space, right? So it was a public display. It was a public celebration. Most likely the people that were there had seen the participants engaged in their activity because there was a lot of public play in these spaces. I mean, we live our lives in this community pretty much like cloistered away. I mean, even when we go to munches, it's like, wear vanilla clothes, you know? Um, that's, that's, as an aside, that's why I really love going up to the Montreal fetish weekends because it's just, you can wear your latex out in public and everything is open on the streets, you know, and people are curious about what's going on because they expect that from that area of that city. You know, for the most part in the States, um, you know, wear vanilla clothes. If you're going to go to a munch, we don't want to get kicked out of this bar. They've been good to us. It's a great space. Come on, behave, you know, and... So when you get to a dungeon and you you get to be in a, you know, semi-public space, you know, it's a it's public in that you're there with the members of community around you and everyone can see you, but it's not open to the public, you know, it's a controlled environment, but it's a shared space. So you're playing in quote unquote public and after you play, you know, obviously there comes the recovery. So when I first witnessed aftercare, it just looked to me like a couple, bunch of people cuddling in the corner. Now, my um, girlfriend at the time and I, when I first got into BDSM, she and I started playing together in um, behind closed doors as a part of our swinger time together. My, my ex-wife, my wife at the time would go off into a separate bedroom with her partner and I would go off into a separate bedroom with my partner. And if you remember from season one, you know, I discovered BDSM through the fact that my girlfriend liked the idea of rope and had tried it before and I had tried it before and liked the idea of it. So we started to play with me tying her up and then you know, we started going to munches and meeting people and learning and we discovered like, oh my God, there's people out there just like us that love all these same things. And there's names for all of this shit. Oh my God. And there's websites where you can buy stuff to use. Oh boy. Kid in the candy store. Here we go. So when we started going out into public play spaces and we saw the aftercare, people were making such a big deal about aftercare and we were like, well, what is what is that? And it would seem very ceremonious, like I said. And um, we were already doing that in private. You know, we would play, we would spend each other and leave each other's and, and leave each other in 
in, in puddles and then just curl up together and just, you know, sigh. And Baby Girl and I experienced that quite a bit too because our path started with a lot of heavy BDSM. And afterwards, we would just like, like I, I would just look forward to the moment when we would just, not that I didn't thoroughly enjoy every single activity we did and just with with great fervor <laughs> and enthusiasm, but I would find myself looking forward to just like getting these fucking ropes off of her and wrapping her in my arms and just curling up and listening to her breathe and listening to her like sighs and feeling her heartbeat and the touch of her skin against mine and smelling her hair and just as it just fell all around my face. And that, that was my aftercare. And for her, it was being held and, you know, um, just cuddled and loved and appreciated for all that we had just shared. So aftercare was, you know, it's just, it's like I said in the, in the um, beginning segment to this podcast, it's, it's pretty much just like caring for your partner after having them share themselves in their most vulnerable state. Well, you also participated in that. But why, why do we do it? Well, when I think about my first um, experiences of aftercare, it was nothing more than exhaustion, honestly. It was like, holy shit, we just like, I beat the crap out of you and tied you to the ceiling and then fucked the shit out of you and that took a lot out of me and now there's these puddles, let's lay in them and cuddle and revel in all of these wonderful things we just did, you know? <laughs> let's stick to the sheets, baby. And uh, it, it, it was really nice. And then that would turn into conversation and a little bit of deconstruction. Oh, I loved it when this. Oh, I'd love to try that. Or, oh, hey, honey, are you thirsty? I'm going to go get something to drink. What can I get you, sweetheart? Just this flood. My brain just felt flooded with these chemicals of a pre deep appreciation for my partner and how vulnerable they were for, to, for me and the, how that allowed me and I'm speaking from my context as dominant, how they allow, that vulnerability allowed me to open up and just let more and more and more of myself out of the cage and unleash it on them and watch them just open up and take it all in. As Baby Girl said to me very early in our relationship, I give it, throw it all at me, Daddy. I want all of it. I want everything you can give. And I do. I do. Every day she gets all of me. And just the fact that there is an open receptacle that I can pour myself into, I have such deep appreciation for that aftercare. I just want to take care of the person and show them great appreciation for what they just gave to me, for the gift of allowing me to open up and give all of myself to them and for them having received it with such grace and humility and honesty and appreciation and enthusiasm, I just want to take care of them. Aftercare. So why do we do it? Well, I kind of think it's just a normal response. It's just a normal show of appreciation for the shared experience that two people just had after letting their guards down and exploring one another together, their fantasies, their wants, their needs, their desires, the physical, mental, emotional, all those aspects colliding into a spectacular moment of whatever it is, the activity that you, that you had um, engaged in. And it's at this point in this episode that I want to say, um, aftercare isn't just for BDSM. 
you know, it isn't just for sex. I kind of alluded in the very beginning of the first segment that it's as simple as your partner comes home after having an incredibly hard day and you can see it written all over their face and they're just like completely letting themselves go into this vulnerable space. Now that they're home, they can just feel safe and relax. And you notice that you recognize that you acknowledge it. And you're so happy to be a part of that safe space that you just fall, let them fall into you and you give them a hug and you welcome them into that safe space. It's aftercare. It's just aftercare in its simplest form. So why do we do it? Because, because we love or care for or appreciate, or all of those things, the person that we're intimately connected to in that moment. And, you know, I don't want to over, like, overblow it. Aftercare can be as simple as, hey, I picked up some play with this bottom um, at, a, at, at the dungeon, and it was, a, it was a consensual play, and we talked about everything we wanted to do beforehand, and we started to uh, engage in those activities, and, and afterwards I wrapped her up in a blanket, and she curled up in my arms and, you know, then after she got up and she left, you know, there, there was no sex. There was only flogging. But afterwards, she needed to, like, you know, unwind and relax. And I gave her that safe space after, you know, she allowed herself to be vulnerable with me. And, you know, we went our separate ways, you know, so aftercare can be it doesn't have to be a part of a deep, intimate relationship. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, one of my stories of, of aftercare is um, I had last year, I, I had met somebody and she liked rope a lot and had no experience. And I was like, oh, well, I'll, I'll be happy to, you know, platonically explore rope with you. Sure. You know, so I had her over to the house and, you know, we hung out for a little while, went down to the dungeon and I did some groundwork with her, some floor work with her. And, you know, then we moved into suspension and, you know, she just dropped into this deep, incredible subspace and she just loved the rope. And I would put her in a nice, comfortable suspension and she would just hang there from my ceiling, just practically drooling just lost in subspace and afterwards she would be on the ground and I would take a blanket and throw it over her and you know um let her just rest there on the ground and you know grabbed her a bottle of water and you know there really there wasn't any cuddling there wasn't anything intimate about it but the environment that I set up was intimate for her to allow her to continue that safe space like she had opened up and let herself fall into the experience of the rope and that 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 I I was providing for her and she was providing me an outlet to express myself through that rope and we were connecting through the platonic activity of rope top and rope bottom and afterwards I in this particular context of aftercare I made sure that I gave her a nice comfortable safe space to continue the experience of letting go until she slowly found her way back to reality is um this as it's kind of funny too because i actually had a picture on my fetlife profile for a while and may still be there um it was called the aftercare manta because i had wrapped her in this blanket and i had spread it out and, and just the way it was um the way it was like 
angled across her body look made her look like a giant red manta ray because you know the blanket looked like fins coming out from either side and so you know we had we had fun with it too and and um, it was a good experience a positive experience for both of us and all that all aftercare was in that context was an extension of the safe space to allow her to process and just let it linger even though she wasn't in rope anymore just to kind of like let it linger until she was able to take a couple of deep breaths open her eyes and be like okay yeah that was cool well I gotta get going I gotta pick up my uh, my son <laughs> you know so aftercare isn't I just wanted to give that example because aftercare isn't always, you know, laying in those puddles and sticking to the sheets. So why do we do it? To take care of the person after having an intimate, vulnerable exchange. And it does not have to necessarily be heavy impact. It does not have to be sexual. It can be mental, emotional. It can be physical. It can be just mental. It can be just emotional. It can be any combination of those. But we do it to allow the participants to extend the envelope of the experience out to the point where they still feel safe until they can get their feet on their ground underneath them and align themselves back with reality to the point where it's not a a jarring jump from, I'm going to open myself up completely to you for this experience, whatever it may be, and okay, hey, I got to put my coat on or go make dinner or like fold the laundry or we've got to actually like, you know, drive now, you know. So it's like a soft descent or ascent back to reality. And why do it? Because it helps with the transitions and it makes it a positive and safe experience. Is it necessary for everyone? No, it's definitely not. I mean, I've I've actually met people and they are not entirely common. Um, but I've met people who are like, yeah, I don't I don't need aftercare. I just, you know, I just want to get beat. And when I'm done, I'm just like, yeah, that was awesome. Great. Cool. Thanks. You know, can we do that again? I like this. I didn't like that. You know, they're just like very a matter of fact and pointed about it. It's just like, hey, I want this experience. Boom. <laughs> experience complete. Thank you. Moving on. After, no aftercare required. Um, is there anything wrong with that? Nope, absolutely not. People uh, operate on different levels of, of intimacy. Does it mean they didn't go into subspace? Fuck no. Does it mean they didn't get to open themselves up and be vulnerable? Absolutely fucking not. But it could very well be that those individuals have a very like narrow threshold between their, um, you know, their their firewall where they can go from hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you too. I just want you to fucking beat me till I bleed and cry. And then when I'm done, I just want to go get a pizza, you know? (laughs) And hey, maybe that pizza is their aftercare. They don't need like the quintessential dark room and the soft leather couch and the piles of blankets and stuffies and binkies and water and hold me and rock me and brush my hair. They don't need that. And is there anything wrong with that? Nope. Does that mean it's not aftercare? Nope. So that brings me to want to talk about the faces of aftercare. (music) 
The faces of aftercare are many wide and varied. And what do they look like? Well, look in the mirror because aftercare is going to include you when we're done with this episode. Or maybe not. You might want not want to do aftercare. And that's okay too. But for those of you curious and, and those of you who practice aftercare and um you know, or have never heard about aftercare. What does it look like? Well, we've touched on it a little bit in some of the other segments. And, you know, we've we've said that it's caring for your partner after having them share themselves in their most vulnerable state and you as well entering that vulnerable state and allowing yourself to uh, come together and have a shared experience. We've talked about that it may not be necessary for everyone, and that's okay, or that the fact that it's not necessary for some people is their aftercare, you know? But what can aftercare look like? You know, we've given a couple of examples already, um, but let's touch on those a little bit further. So before I get into what aftercare can look like, I want to acknowledge that, you know, aftercare usually comes after an intense shared experience. And this doesn't have to be physical. It doesn't have to involve sex. And it can be purely mental. Think about humiliation play and think about really deep DS following orders and punishment um, you know, it, it could be a deep, deep dive into age regression. It could just be a deep, deep dive into being daddy's little girl and just completely letting go. Essentially, it's whatever form it takes that you are completely setting your mutual realities aside to make yourselves vulnerable and have this shared experience. So when you come up out of that place, you're going to have needs. They could be mental needs. They could be physical needs. They could be emotional needs. It could be a combination of all of those things. So your aftercare is going to look a lot like um, what is going to be needed most to fit your particular experience. You know, I might not need a bottle of water after some, an extreme mental exercise, but I sure as heck am probably going to want a bottle of water and a blanket after having my body pushed to extremes because the adrenaline and the endorphins are going to be running through my veins. And as soon as those suckers get cut off, it's going to be the equivalent of going into shock. So I'm going to be want to kept I'm going to want to be kept warm. I'm going to want to feel like I'm in a safe space and I just need to be completely detached from both the scene and from the reality that I'm headed towards after I have recovered. Hence, so much emphasis put around the aftercare spaces at the dungeons that I kind of poked a little fun at earlier in this episode. But a lot of emphasis is put on the aftercare areas. And and I am thankful for that because it taught me very early on to be wary, be aware, be respectful of that space because some people have been allowed themselves to be pushed extremely hard and they need warmth. Like they really need warmth. They need quiet. They need that feeling of safety. They need comfort and they probably need food and water. And whether or not it involves their partner is irrelevant, but most of the time it, it does. Um, it doesn't have to though, you know, in our dynamics day to day, you know, that's that's kind of like a, a, a play space example. But in our dynamics day to day, I mean, we could emulate that play space. You could have a play space in your house and do heavy play and still have those same needs that you would at a dungeon. But 
If you're in more of a 24-7 dynamic where your partner's coming over for the night and you're going to spend the night, you know, diving into your dynamic together, well, at some point you're going to have to, you know, check your emails, check your texts, maybe make some phone calls, check on your kids, uh, make dinner, you know, take out the trash, walk the dog. There's things that are going to have to be done in the mundane vanilla world that, it's really not fun to have to like break dynamic to do those things and then go back to dynamic. So even if you're 24 seven, you're going to have these little bubbles where you're living in dynamic, right? Or you're experiencing dynamic. You're setting time aside to express dynamic. You might be watching TV together, watching a movie and, and you're, you know, your, your little girl's got her baby girl knee highs on and you're putting pigtails in her hair while she's coloring, kneeling down in front of you and coloring on the ottoman. You know, it, it could be as simple as that, but that's that's time in in DDLG little space. That's time in little space. And it needs to be acknowledged that like, OK, baby, you know, um, I'm going to get up and go check my emails. Can you take out the trash is not a, it's not really a, a um, it's a very jarring exit to <laughs> experiencing dynamic. You know, there should be a little bit more of a ramp up out of dynamic. And as uh, Brian said in the message that spawned this episode is that, um, you know, his little gets requires aftercare or she gets super whiny and distant. And I can completely understand that. The reason why that's probably happening is because it's too jarring for her to go from that place of shared vulnerability to the real world and she's compensating for it by shutting herself off and the whininess is the uncomfortable she's uncomfortable being in that position and the distance is because it's the only way she knows to find to keep herself safe so aftercare provides her the opportunity to feel safe and process so that she can feel comfortable and safe returning back to the day-to-day. So the whiny and distant makes complete and total sense when I think of what somebody who goes into little space requires when they pop back out to the real world. They want to feel like they're they want to feel like they have um, been allowed to go to that deep vulnerable space, but also as they return to the real world, they feel safe. And they can do so on their terms. And it's up to the daddies to work with their little girls about what their needs are when it takes, uh, when it comes to ramping back up from little space out into the real world. And these needs will evolve over time. But, you know, as we've touched on, you know, aftercare could look like, come on up and hop on daddy's lap and I'm going to wrap you in a blanket. And I'm going to go in the other room and I'm going to fix you a bowl of ice cream or Fruit Loops or maybe an apple, an orange or a slice of pizza. There's no limit to the food available to your aftercare. <laughs> it's definitely time in a safe place. It could be time in a quiet place. It could be noise canceling headphones. It could be soft music. It could be a meditation. It could be hug me, hold me and praise me. It could be hold me while I cry. I mean, it depends on where you go. I've definitely had times with Baby Girl where we've gone pretty damn deep. And we've, um, you know, 
shine, uh, we would shine our flashlight into the dark corners of newfound tunnels in our castle and realize like, oh shit, what did we unearth? You know, now we can't just like leave it there festering. We have to, we have to deal with it and work it out. We work it out through our dynamic and you know, that stirs up some emotions. So it might be just to hold me while I cry. It might be a nap. I mean, I, Raise your hand if you've ever enjoyed a nap to recover from something strenuous or, you know, um, felt like you needed to feel safe, right? Curl up under your comforter and pull the shades and put on the sleep fan and take your nap, you know? It could be sugar, sugar, lots of sugar. It could be a little bit of junk food. It could be a special treat, like I said earlier. Um, it could be the aftercare manta <laughs> from the last segment that my, uh, my rope bottom friend and I laughed at her experiencing. But in that moment, she was just nice and quiet, covered in a blanket on the floor where I left her in silence with herself to make yummy noises until she felt ready to become, um, a, a human, human being that could join the vanilla world once again. Uh, it could be a chance to just kind of talk your way out of it. And I'll be quite honest with you. I think the most common form of aftercare is going to look a little bit something like this. There is a physical element meant to um, complement the level of physical activity that was engaged in. Okay, so if there was a lot of extreme beating and blood play, there's going to be some cleanup involved. Okay, so aftercare is probably going to in- include those those tools. You know, maybe. Bandages, warm clots, clean clots, alcohol swabs, things of that nature. Um, if, if there was a heavy beating and, and a lot of um, impact play, it could be a rub, it could be a massage, it could be some ice packs. Um, you know, it could be, you know, more impact. <laughs> Sadistic bastard. <laughs> if it was a, a, a mental exertion, it, it could be the holding and the hugging and the intimacy and, and the feelings of safety. So when you think about what, what aftercare, the faces of aftercare and what might be appropriate, think of the activities that you're engaging in. If it's mental, emotional, well, then think you might need a safe place. If it's physical, well, warmth, hydration, nourishment for the body might be in order. Care, physical care. Here's a couple of things that baby girl and I come back to again and again. So these are examples from our relationship. If we have had a lot of intense sex as a part of our time together and, you know, we've made a real mess of the sheets, um, I will go to the bathroom and get a warm cloth and I will tell her to stay right where she is. And I will come back with a nice warm cloth and a dry cloth and I will just like lay her back and I will spread her legs and I will, you know, provide her with the very intimate experience of my cleaning her up and drying her off. And as I'm taking care of her in that way, you know, which is an extension of our physical activity. So I'm keeping it in the physical realm, but I'm also adding elements of, um, you know, intimate care letting her know that I appreciate her and I'm taking care of her body. I'm continuing to express myself physically. So it's an extension of our activity, right? You know, she will start to um, say appreciative things to me. And, you know, that's something that just sinks so deep into my heart and fills me with love and appreciation and deepens the experience even more. So that's an amazing form of aftercare because it's a commingling of the physical with the mental emotional 
Another thing that baby girl and I do for aftercare quite a lot, whether uh, no matter whether we've had some, um, you know, rigorous sexual activity or not, whether it's just like, you know, we took a nap together and uh, we cuddled and talked. Um, one of the things that I have a tendency, we have a tendency to fall back on regularly for aftercare, um, so much so that I've bought, I've purchased props for it. Um, props just being a conventional term, but they're, they're a lot more, they're more like sacred tools, to be honest. So, um, she asked me if I would brush her hair and I'm like, fuck yeah. Um, what daddy doesn't brush their little girl's hair? Come on now. So I actually purchased a, a hairbrush, um, for each of my residences with uh, little pretty horses, horsies on them. And I have her cuddle back in bed against me. She'll sit in front of me between my legs and she cuddles back against me and I will brush all the tangles out of her hair. And I take my time doing it. And she may be naked from the waist up. She may be partially dressed. She may have her her shorts on and maybe a bra on, but she still has like her knee high stockings on. So she may be like half in, half out. You know, she's like, I started to get up and get ready, but I'm still want to linger in this space. And I will brush all the tangles out of her hair and just have conversation. Nothing, no specific, like keeping it in dynamic or anything. We just have a conversation. We talk about whatever comes up and inevitably as you know, I'm finishing up, the conversation starts to come back around to reality. Um, You know, either she will bring it around or I will bring it around. We'll talk about, hey, you know, what's the calendar looking like for when we're going to see each other next? Or, you know, um, do you have to drive right home today? Or, you know, we start talking about those things, you know, are you hungry? You know, uh, do you want to eat now? You know, and, and, and then ramp ourselves up out of dynamics. So that's one of the rituals that we've adopted. And actually that's a really good point that I just brought up. There is ritual aftercare can become a ritual. Now it doesn't have to be, like I said, it, it may, the faces of aftercare are wide and varied and they should be appropriate to the form of care that's required based on the activities that you've engaged in. I mean, if you've just beat the fuck out of your submissive and your little girl and you've, she's dangling from the ceiling and you've like cut some carved some lines into her, her skin's blistering and red. Um, brushing her hair might be a few steps down the road from the kind of aftercare that's going to be needed. You know what I mean? So don't cookie cutter the aftercare. Don't rubber stamp the aftercare. It's not always a blanket and a bottle of water. It's, it's, it's not always a hair brushing. It's not always a bowl of Fruit Loops. It's going to depend on the you and your partner and what your needs are after the activity that you just engaged in. And that can also evolve over time. So let's talk about how aftercare uh, can evolve. I think it's pretty safe to say that over time, dynamics shift and they grow and, you know, they evolve, right? And as such, so will your needs regarding aftercare. As I said in the last segment about faces of aftercare, try not to cookie cutter your aftercare. You know, it's very tempting when you're first on the scene to take your cues from the community. And I think that's actually an excellent idea because it provides, um, you know, a nice standard 
with uh, which to start your journey into kink and BDSM and DS. And there's a lot of people that will be more than happy to share their journeys once you gain trust and get to know them a little bit better and share some intimate conversations. But beyond that, aftercare, um, when I first entered the scene, as I kind of alluded to, looked very cookie cutter to me. It's like you, you take your bottom down, you give them, put the, wrap them in a blanket because um, they're usually scantily clad. You give them a bottle of water and you kind of hang out with them for a little while. You might be holding them. You might not be. Um, you know, you might be coiling rope or, you know, packing away your tools while you're staying close to them and talking to them and checking in on them. And, you know, that's, that's what it looked like to me nine times out of 10, because, you know, my BDSM took place in two settings. It was either at home in the bedroom or it was out at a play party. When I entered my relationship with baby girl, it was the first time that I had entered a DS BDSM relationship on my own two feet in my own home on my own terms. You know, I didn't have um, a partner that I was living with anymore. This is my house. So I can set my house up to be a place that, you know, can reflect my interests and tastes. So if I know that I'm going to have a partner over, I can move things around and set them up in a way that I know um, that partner is going to be taken care of after our experience. You know, I can present a warm and inviting and safe environment. If I'm out in public, well, I have to use the space that's offered to me before I drag us outside into the into the cold and or rainy and or sweltering hot weather. Um, you know, to get in the car and then brave traffic to drive home to a safe space. You know, that's that's why those safe spaces exist at the clubs. But when when I was with my previous girlfriend doing DS, you know, we were I was either at her in her husband's house or I was at me and my wife's house. Um, so a very limited. The bedroom was pretty much our arena, which is kind of like a mini dungeon. You know, it's like we had to do our play and do our aftercare in that in that room. It's not like I could, you know, set up a special place in the basement or in the on the porch or in my living room that I know has all the things that I might need for aftercare in that space, you know, and I had to be um, considerate of the fact that I shared this living space with my other partner. So I was limited in that regard. But when I was finally on my own two feet and this is my house and I can set it up the way I want, I was able to approach aftercare a lot differently. You know, I was able to design the environment such that my aftercare could be encompassed into the whole experience. So as a result, I was able to experience an evolution in our aftercare. So when Baby Girl and I first got together, um, as I have said in a lot of my other episodes, our access to intimacy, to um, mental emotional intimacy was usually BDSM. You know, it'd be like, okay, you're going to come over, you know, we're going to, we're going to hang out, we're going to talk, and then we're going to kind of move in that direction and have a heavy scene. And afterwards, I'm going to collapse into your arms and we're going to cuddle and snuggle. And that's where our aftercare took place. It was very traditional 
what you would see, um, you know, nine times out of 10, when someone says aftercare, it's what you would see, you know, here's a blanket, here's a bottle of water, you know, after our heavy scene, I would take her down from the rope or untie her from the bed or put set the, the vibrators and the lube and the crop aside and pull her up close to me and wrap us in blankets and pillows and just hold her and talk to her and very much what you would do at the club. Put the toys aside, wrap your partner in a blanket, give her a bottle of water, him or her a bottle of water, and just like make sure that they're nurtured, safe, and protected until they feel like they can stand on their own two feet again. So that's what aftercare looked for us in the beginning. But as our dynamics started to shift... We found ourselves needing to reconnect intimately um, into that sink into that mental emotional place as soon as we were reunited. Um, so as soon as she came over, you know, we, we put, put the food in the fridge and parked the car and did what we needed to do and got undressed and just kind of like had some chit chat. Bef- but like very quickly, we would just be like on the couch or in the bed um, and, and just cuddling and talking And that conversation could look a lot like um, sinking into dynamic or it could look a lot like throwing off the mantle of all of the problems and weight that we've been carrying all week dealing with work and family problems or whatever it is that was on our minds that was in our way between us and our dynamic, you know, so we would break down the walls instead of her coming in and me breaking down the walls with a crop or a cane or some rope, we would cling to each other and just let our intimacy overflow into our hearts and just until it drowned out everything else that nothing was left but the two of us. Then we would enter our dynamic. And after our dynamic, then would come the aftercare. That's when aftercare for us started to look more like an extension of dynamic, you know, where I would grab the hairbrush and brush her hair or I would go get a nice warm and, and another dry towel and clean up her, her little sticky bits after we've had our intimate time together. You know, or I would undress her, uh, take her baby girl clothes and articles of clothing off of her and you know, get her her everyday clothes. And I would just stay close to her and, and just help her and let her know that, hey, daddy's right here beside you as you're getting ready to go back into the big girl world, you know, so our aftercare had a full, full-blown evolution, and, and it continues to evolve. We are pretty much at the point now where um, our dynamic is 24-7, and although she does go back to her family, you know, and every, every, every week when, we, when we're apart, you know, we're in constant contact uh, responsibly, so, and dynamic is ever present you know there are some stretches of time where reality takes takes priority but for the most part our dynamic is always there humming in the background sometimes it's screaming over the din of the everyday sometimes it's just a quiet hum safety and security knowing that we're still plugged into each other but since our dynamic is evolving into a 24-7 it's not come on over and beat me and let's sink in and explore this ddlg thing um, it's, we are DDLG. We, that she's my baby girl, wherever she is, she's my little girl. Wherever I am, I am her daddy. And we're always plugged into that. So our aftercare easily lasts the whole time we're apart. And it, how does that, how the fuck does that work? Well, she, there's specific rituals of aftercare that we do when we're together. 
and it looks a lot like a, a gentle rise back into the everyday. And then as we are apart during the week, the aftercare continues where we deconstruct and talk about the things we experienced. We talk about the things that we realized after we've spent our time together. We talk about the things that we want to put on the list to, you know, um, have conversations about the next time that we're together. And that just became a natural flow as our as our um, dynamic and our relationship evolves. So it's funny, you know, if I sat down and said, well, I'm going to do aftercare and was very specific and intentional about it, then I probably would have tripped over myself so many times by now that it, it would just be frustrating and scary. Aftercare, you just have to let it happen. You just have to look at the activity that you're doing and just realize, hey, we were just incredibly vulnerable with each other. We need to take care of each other before we go back into the real world. So it's not so jarring so that we feel safe, so that we feel comforted by our partner. And that makes us willing to want to go to that safe space with them again. It keeps us from getting whiny and distant because our needs might not being, we might not be aware of what our needs are. And another shout out back to Brian is like, you know, your, your little girl may get whiny and distant if she doesn't receive aftercare. It, it may not be the fault of her daddy. It just may be that, hey, she didn't realize how deep she went and she didn't realize the impact that that had on her. So, um, you know, if by chance you find yourself frustrated because after your experience you're feeling drop or you're feeling a jarring like uh, abrasive like return back into the everyday life it's okay it it may well mean that you found a new depth in your dynamic and that's going to require a little bit of intention when you go there again you have stumbled upon a need a want and a desire, and that's okay. And so it's manifesting itself through discomfort. Maybe you're feeling whiny. Maybe you're feeling distant. Maybe you're feeling dropped, depressed, frustrated. Back to communication. Communicate with your partner about it. Like bring the aftercare back, baby. If you're not feeling right about something, talk to daddy about it. Talk to your little girl about it. Create an opportunity for extended aftercare through that conversation of like, oh my God, I don't know why, but I just feel like so not myself after we spent our time together this weekend. I just feel like I didn't get enough of you and I just feel like um, I, I feel like I want to sink in and, and I can't. I just it seems like it was over so quick, you know. Those are the things that you can kind of talk about together. It's like, well, yeah, actually, now that you mention it, we did kind of hop up out of bed and like run out the door, didn't we? And, you know, we really we really pushed the limits of our time together. And like before we knew it, it was time to leave and we weren't even dressed yet. So we didn't really have a chance for aftercare, did we? Huh? Yeah. So, you know, things like that might be going on and to nobody's fault whatsoever that you can examine together. So just because after something happens and one of you feels like this drop or this disconnect or whiny and distant, examine it, examine it. No one did anything wrong, but it gives you an opportunity to examine it because something may have evolved in your dynamic. Maybe you are diving to new levels of intensity 
and enjoying them so thoroughly that you're losing track of time. So there's no time for aftercare. Oh, shit, that would leave me fucking whiny and distant. That's for shit sure. I'd be like, fuck, now I got to go back to real life. This sucks, you know. Whereas if I have that nice slow return to reality, I can just kind of sigh it out a couple of times and and I can even tell my partner, oh, this sucks. I don't want to go. This sucks. I just want to sit here and brush your hair forever. And like, can we do this again next time and kind of talk in that vein, you know, and that becomes a form of aftercare too, sharing through conversation, just like, hey, this is how I feel. This is what I need. This is what I want. It's funny, I just shared in the segment about how aftercare has evolved for Baby Girl and I. Well, another evolution that we've had is that we were finding that, you know, hey, I've taken care of you, I've put you back together, I've brushed your hair, I've got your clothes back on, I've got you all buttoned up in your coat and put you in your car and put your seatbelt on for you and kissed you umpteen times before I waved as you drove out of my driveway and that wasn't enough. So what's happened? The phone rings now after baby girl has driven away and she talks to me on her whole ride home and we just talk about anything and everything from our experience together uh, and we deconstruct, you know, or things that maybe we didn't get a chance to talk about or maybe things that just kind of popped into our head from our time together, things that we didn't realize were on our minds enough to ask for that conversation while we we're in the moment. Maybe the conversation evolves and it could be logistical things that we're talking about. Like, oh, hey, when am I going to see you next? Sometimes I talk about my fears. I like preload the week with my fears and be like, hey, I'm kind of afraid, like, I'm afraid that I'm really going to miss you this week. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of dreading what's going to happen when I wake up tomorrow or when I come home from work to an, to an empty house, you know. And just sometimes, most of the time, honestly, I'll, I'll be honest, most of the time saying those things out loud, boop, they just disappear, you know, just, just bouncing them off of my baby girl. So like I've, I'm thinking it, I'm, I'm afraid of it. I feel it. So I share it with her and now it becomes real. And guess what? You know, the next day she's like, Hey daddy, how are you? Maybe she'll make that extra effort. She'll call me in the morning or, you know, she'll stay a little bit more connected between her meetings the next day because she knows I have that, had that fear. And, you know, maybe she'll connect with me later on in the day and I'll be like on Monday and I'll be like, no, I'm actually, I'm fine. You know, I, (laughs) I haven't felt what I was afraid of at all, you know? But that moment of aftercare, that extended aftercare, um, had, had allowed us to, you know, explore those things. Whereas if she had just driven away, and this is in the context of our relationship, I'm not saying that everybody should do this by any means. No, 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 no. But in, in our relationship, just, you know, if she had just driven away, you know, at that point in time, I would have just been like, feeling those feelings and pretty much being left with them on my own unexpressed, not wanting to bother her as she's driving away with a silly text that says, I miss you already. And I feel like I'm going to feel like shit tomorrow. You know, no, we could actually have a conversation about it and put some context around it and say, Hey, you know, I'm just like, I just want to share some silly fears and stuff that's rattling around my head because that's us. We're communication slots. We talk about everything and that might not be your bag and and that's okay. So um, if this kind of sounds foreign to you, I'm not saying by any means that this is a shit that you should be doing. What I'm saying is, is that aftercare is going to evolve. 
you know, it may start looking a lot like here's a blanket, here's a stuffy, here is a um, bottle of water, and I'm going to brush your hair. It could look a lot like that in the beginning, but as your dynamic evolves and through communication, which I do advocate, everybody should be communicating a lot. Um, it's going, your aftercare is going to evolve. Let's get creative with aftercare. What the fuck is that? Well, let's just first start by acknowledging that the cookie cutter form of aftercare of like, hey baby, you know, let's go over here. I'll wrap you in a blanket. Here's a bottle of water. Would you like a snack? And, you know, let's just chill out here until you're ready to drive. Evolves over time with your dynamic, especially if you're mostly playing in private play spaces or your own home. That aftercare can evolve as we talked about in the last segment. And through that evolution comes creativity. Now, as I've said, you have to be very careful about being intentional with aftercare. You know, you don't want to script this kind of thing. But you do want to talk to your partner about, hey, how did you feel after that scene we did last week? And, um, you know, I was just kind of brushing your hair afterwards and you still had your stockings on. You know, what did, what did you think of that? How did that feel? Did that feel nice? I mean, is that something you liked? Is that something we should lean into? Because I know other times it's like, well, most of the time, actually, you know, as soon as, as soon as we're done, we like look at the clock and we got to get up and got to go, you know, or, you know, it's, it's time for dinner or, you know, we got to go to bed and set the coffee for the coffee maker so that it goes off in the morning and do all the things that need to be done, you know. But I noticed that we had that little transitional space last time, and that was kind of cool. What'd you think of it? How did how did that make you feel? You know, you can kind of examine the evolution of your aftercare, and in hindsight, see the kinds of things that you're leaning into that create that safe little ramp up out of dynamics, so that you're not just like ripping off the band aid or ripping off the diaper. <laughs> And putting on the suit and going to work, you know. Um, and, and if you can do that, that's cool. You know, like I said, for some people, it might be like thrilling to be like, I'm going to rip my diaper off and put my pants on. You know, usually it's the other way around. It's like, hey, I can't wait to get these fucking clothes off so I can get my diaper on, you know. And usually it doesn't go in reverse where like I can't wait to get this diaper off so I can put my jeans and, and shirt back on and go back out into the real world. Usually doesn't work that way. So <laughs> it's a little bit easier to be intentional about looking back in hindsight of what are the kinds of things that make you feel like that warm and fuzzy dynamic, warm and fuzzy sensation of dynamic is being extended as you take those tentative steps back into reality. Now, in saying all of this and encouraging creative aftercare, I just, again, want to be um, very intentional that, like, it's really hard to, like, sit down with a pen and paper and, like, design aftercare. Let's get creative. Like, okay, when she comes over, I'm going to do this, this, and this. Because for me, anyway, um, and I think this would probably be um, something that resonates with most people. When, when you script it out like that, well, what if she gets here and the drive was terrible? 
you know, what what if mid-scene, like, you, you catch her with a carabiner and make this nasty blood blister that's super, super uncomfortable so you can't do the thing that you were planning the aftercare around, you know? That could trigger all kinds of emotions, like disappointment and frustration that, like, I had all these things planned and I bought all of these things for aftercare. I got this food, this snack, this prop, this special water, and now... Uh, 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 uh. You know, don't invite that into your dynamic. You know, it's it's really, really hard. Now, if you've had some things, some ideas, some stuff that you want to incorporate into your aftercare, you want to get a little bit creative, you know, like maybe um, uh, an electric blanket and a bowl of raspberries, things like that. I don't know. Maybe she won't be hungry. And you ask her if she wants a snack, she'll say no. And you're like, fuck, I spent $5.99 on organic raspberries. Maybe you'll have the electric blanket ready and she'll be like, God, Daddy, I'm so hot. You'd be like, fuck, I just like set up this whole electric blanket thing for aftercare, you know? So <laughs> if you're going to be creative, my advice about being creative is, yeah, tap your daddy energy. Definitely lean in, dip, dip, your, dip your, your cup into the well and pull out those ideas, but keep them available. But don't like slot them in as like they have to happen. You know, I would be very cautious about setting things up. I'll, I'll tell you, baby girl's probably gonna laugh when she hears this, but I can't count the number of things that I've like set up, the number of props that I've had on standby that just go unused because it's not gonna work for the moment. And what's more important? than the time and the precious space that you get to spend together. Being a daddy is is about taking care of your little girl. And your little girl could be a little fuss budget. And I'm not saying my baby girl's fuss budget, far from it. But your baby girl could be in a little bit of a fuss budget place or have distractions, you know, that are keeping her from getting into that place in her dynamic. And you got to roll with the punches. You got to take care of her no matter what is coming down the pike, you know, and that's what's most important. Being on point, bringing the daddy energy, as we said in the last episode. Being on point to make sure that you're being the daddy that your little girl needs. Your little girl doesn't need organic raspberries, okay? She might enjoy them, but I guarantee you she's probably going to be like, oh, yum, nom, 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 thanks. What's next, you know? <laughs> in the overall scheme of things, those are props, you know? They're just props, and... If you're trying to get creative around aftercare, it's really best to kind of just look back at how things have evolved for you and then talk to your partner and say, hey, remember when we used to like have to beat you before you could fall into my arms? And now it's like led to this like tender melting in that's like seems to just stretch across time and space like when we're not together during the week. I, I, I still feel like I'm taking care of you and I feel like we never leave dynamic and it's, it's isn't it weird how our aftercare has gone from like daddy I just need you to hold me to like you know check in with me today I really need to hear from you because I'm having a hard day and I want to see your face send me a picture you know leaving room for the evolution of your dynamic will allow you to get creative with your aftercare and see the way that the aftercare is changing and, and see the opportunities that you both have to talk about ways to ramp yourselves up from the time that you spend together or the time that you're apart or the times that, are, that come between 
uh, the times that you get to be together, or if you're together all the time, maybe aftercare is just a transition back into day-to-day life, or it's a maintenance thing that you do, something that helps carry you through day-to-day life. We can get really have some creative thoughts around if you live with your baby girl, you're going to have to deal with everyday life. Dishes are going to pile up. Laundry's got to get done. Food's got to get in the fridge, right? Grass has got to get mowed. Shit's got to happen. Life has to be lived. Adulting needs to be adulted. So there's shit that's got to get done. So maybe after you can be creative with aftercare and using it as a way to help you bridge the moments that you get to be with your baby girl. Maybe it's aftercare is kind of like a mirror image of itself where aftercare looks like after we've had a chance to be in dynamic and we're not going to be, but we have to adult together. Maybe that aftercare looks like little um, touch points of dynamic that, that bridge you from one deep sinking in moment to the next where you can be in full on daddy mode. And that could be through the day. It could be across the whole week. It could be anything. That's what I mean by being creative with your aftercare. Start in the traditional place and branch yourself out from there as your dynamic evolves. And then let your relationship tell you what you need. Let the forces that are acting on your relationship from daily life tell you what you need. And your dynamic will be a guide. And if you're Bring in the daddy energy and your little girl is being honest and you're being honest and you're both communicating. Your dynamic will tell you exactly what you need. So thanks for joining me on this episode of Daddy is Fuck. And thanks to Brian for suggesting this episode. If you have any suggestions or questions or things that you'd like to hear daddy share on his experience or just share his thoughts on, email me at daddy underscore af at comcast.net.